0: Does a sermon ever make you squirm? You know, even one that is not a fire and brimstone sermon. You know, I hope so. I hope so. In fact, this morning's sermon makes me squirm. <laughs> and I hope it will do the same for you. This morning we come to the ninth chapter of Romans will be Looking at the first five verses, which I have to admit are not my favorite verses of Scripture, not because they're confusing or hard to understand, but because they're really hard to believe. And they're not hard to believe for the usual reasons. Some say they find the Bible hard to believe. They're hard to believe because they reveal something about the Apostle Paul that's hard to believe. Now, don't worry. It's not some heretofore secret sin. You know, Paul has been very transparent about his past. It's because in these five verses, he gives us a glimpse into his heart. And what we see there is really hard to believe. In fact, what we see there makes me uncomfortable. It actually makes me squirm. Why? Because it's so convicting. What I see in Paul's heart, I do not see in my own. And chances are you won't see it in yours either. In fact, I don't know of anyone who has a heart like Paul's. But let's not let that stop us from being challenged by his heart. Let's go ahead and examine his heart. Let's compare it to our own. And let's be challenged to develop hearts more like Paul's. And the first thing he reveals is that his heart Is a sorrowing heart. Romans chapter 9. First two verses. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. Now what is it that caused great sorrow and unceasing grief in Paul's heart? It was the fact that the majority of his brethren, the Jews, had not accepted Jesus. They were lost. And if they didn't repent of their unbelief, they would be cut off from God eternally. And that broke Paul's heart. It caused him great sorrow and unceasing grief. Now, I cannot imagine unceasing grief. Paul said basically that the pain in his heart never stopped. And he wasn't being dramatic here. He wasn't exaggerating. He knew it would be hard to believe that. That's why he prefaced his statement with, I am telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. With Christ as his witness, he was telling the truth. He was not lying. And he wasn't kidding himself. The Holy Spirit within him confirmed what he thought he was feeling. He really did have great sorrow and unceasing grief in his heart for the lost. Now I've got to confess, I don't have that. I know I care. It gives me great joy to lead someone to Christ or to help them mature in Christ. And my heart breaks when someone walks away from him. But I don't have unceasing grief in my heart for the lost. I can put it out of my mind. You know, when I'm at Shields, I'm seldom thinking about the eternal destiny of those around me, I'm just searching for a better plastic worm. We're looking for a good deal. When I see someone doing something stupid or rude or immoral, my first thought isn't, there's someone who needs the Lord. I just get annoyed when we have a good attendance. It makes me feel good. I don't grieve over those in Chatham who aren't. In worship. No, I don't have a sorrowing heart, not like Paul's, and that grieves me. Now, what about you? When was the last time you wept over the loss? Now, not just a loved one, but all those who are going to hell. Do we even think about it? I realize it's not politically correct to think anyone is going to hell, but Jesus made it very clear that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father but through him. That means there are a lot of people who are going to be cut off from God forever. How does that make you feel? even if it doesn't cause unceasing grief, does it at least cause great sorrow? I hope so. We need a sorrowing heart if we're going to develop a sacrificing heart. Let's read on. For I could wish that I myself were accursed Separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Did you hear what Paul said? Paul is saying that if it was possible, and the construction makes it clear that he actually knew it wasn't, but if it were possible he would give up his own salvation for the sake of his brethren. If he could guarantee their salvation by giving up his own, he would do it. Now that blows me away. Now Jim Elliot once said, A man is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And he gave up his life as a missionary to the Aka Indians. I think I could do that. I know I could give up my life for someone I loved. Especially if I knew by doing so I could secure their salvation. But I don't think I could wish myself accursed. Anathema. Damned. Separated from Christ. Christ for all eternity, for anyone. Now, someone might say, well, Paul was just saying that. He knew it wasn't possible. No one would do that. But I'm not so sure. When the children of Israel made the golden calf and Moses feared that God would destroy them all for it, he pleaded with God. And he actually said, if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, please blot me out from thy book, which thou hast written. It sounds like Moses was saying, If you're going to condemn them, condemn me too. I think Moses and Paul both had a level of love for their people that exceeds anything I can even imagine. I think they were willing to give up their eternal life for the sake of their brethren. Whew. Now I don't think we should feel guilty for not making a similar offer. But I do think we should be challenged to examine what it is we are willing to sacrifice for the sake the lost. How much of our time are we willing to sacrifice? When's the last time you gave up a night at home or a night with the family to talk to someone about the relationship with the Lord? Maybe I should first ask, how uncomfortable are you willing to become to even talk to someone about spiritual matters? Are you willing to risk losing a friend by confronting them with their sin? Are you willing to be known as a fanatic because you're always bringing up spiritual things and always talking about Jesus? What are you willing to sacrifice to save someone? And what are you willing to spend? Do you stop at 10% and figure you've done all you're supposed to do Or do you look for additional ways to provide opportunities for others to hear about Jesus by sponsoring kids in Haiti or meeting special needs that arise on the mission field or by supporting organizations that we don't support as a congregation? How far are you willing to go? How far am I willing to go? You know, Paul Paul stretches me. I do want to have a heart like Paul's a sorrowing heart, a sacrificing heart, and a searching heart. You know, speaking of his kinsmen according to the flesh, he says, who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. And I think Paul is searching for some answers here. I think his heart is baffled. His kinsmen who were rejecting Christ were Israelites, the one family on earth that God had adopted as his own. They had seen the glory of God, his Shekinah presence in the form of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That presence of God had actually led them through the wilderness and had resided in the midst of their camp in the tabernacle. It was with him when God made a covenant, and to them he had given the law. He had taught them how to worship and had promised to bless and to protect them. Great men of faith, had been their ancestors, and Christ, the Messiah, who, as the NIV better puts it, is God over all, forever praised, had come to earth through their physical line. They had everything going for them. They had every possible advantage, and yet they were blowing it. They were rejecting Christ. I think Paul was baffled by that. He didn't understand how that could be. But he didn't give up on them either. He didn't just write them off and say, well, they had their chance. Nor did he assume that just because they claimed to have a relationship with God, they had one. He kept looking, searching their hearts. He kept searching for signs of faith that he could build upon. He would draw them back to the past in the hope of moving them forward into a relationship with Christ. You know, we need to do that too. We need to encounter people where they are. Maybe slip back into their past and some memories that they have as a child or memories of a grandparent and try to bring them closer into a walk with Christ. And then... We should never assume that just because someone has grown up in a Christian nation, even a Christian home, that he or she is a Christian. And I tend to do that. I think, this is a Christian nation. Everybody knows who Jesus is. Not everybody does. You know, the statistics on the number of people who claim to be nuns is growing exponentially. When millennials are asked about their religion, They say they have none. That should challenge us. That should break our heart. You know, the people who broke Paul's heart were religious people, but they still didn't know Christ. And a lot of times people are religious, but don't really know Christ. They should know him, but they don't. There are a lot of people around us who should know Christ but don't. So never assume that someone does. You know, I know that's hard. We don't want to appear to be judgmental. We don't want to give the impression that we think if someone doesn't go to our church or a church like our church, they might be lost, but they might be. They might be. It's hard to talk to people about the Lord, isn't it? It's hard to even talk to them about our church. It's even hard for me to do that. It's a whole lot easier to talk about fishing or shooting or riding a motorcycle. And I talk about that a lot with you guys. I don't really feel bad about that because I talk a lot about the Lord to you too. I want you to see there's more to life than just one thing, even though the Lord is the ultimate. But there are times when I'm hesitant to even talk to someone about the Lord. And this this sermon makes me uncomfortable. And guess what? Now I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Because I'm going to share something, something that Tina loves me to share. Yes, it's another hot tub moment. <laughs> I know that's an image that, you know, is a little frightening. But I want to share something with you. You know, th- th- this week has been a, a full week for me. I, I had a funeral on Thursday morning, and that afternoon we headed to Tennessee to uh, spend a couple of days with uh, Will celebrating his birthday because we're going to be gone when his birthday is is coming around and working on this sermon early, it was on my head and hopefully on my heart it was bugging me because I told you it just makes me uncomfortable well God gave me an opportunity Wednesday got done working out the fit club and went for my reward you know, after time in the steam room, I headed for the hot dog. there was a Older gentleman there that I'd never met before. It's just the two of us, and so we greeted each other. You know how you do. And uh, when I said, "Well, how are you?" He says, "Well, I, I'm better than the world." I said, "Well, yeah, yeah. Things are kind of a mess out there, aren't they? You know, I mean, maybe we shouldn't even read about it or listen to it. You know, we wouldn't know things were so bad if we didn't know it, because our life is usually pretty good." And he said, "Yeah, yeah." And we got talking, and he said, "Well," he said. I do have surgery tomorrow. He says, they're, they're going to look for something in my uh, pancreas. That's a scary thought. And he was a little scary, I was scared. He wasn't scared. He was scared. And uh, I said, ooh. I said, yeah. And so we started talking about uh, ailments. I mean, that's something old people do. And uh, I really thought he was old. And I asked ask him. Huh, he's younger than I am. <laughs> that was a shocker. Uh, And I said, well, you know, one good thing is someday we're going to get a new body. And he said, we'll see. I said, no, 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 no. I know we will. I, I, I said, you know, Jesus died and rose again, and he gave me the promise, I'm going to do the same. I'm going, ooh, that was good, Rick. And he kind of just looked at me. And so we didn't stay on that very long. We chatted a little more and told about where we grew up, and I grew up in Springfield, and he grew up between Williamsville and Sherman, and and, uh, then he asked me, well, where'd you go to school? I said, well, I graduated from Springfield High, and then I went up to Lincoln, Lincoln Christian College. I said, I'm a preacher. He said, oh. He said, that means you don't smoke or drink or cuss, right? I said, well, yeah, that's true. But there's more to it than that, you know. I said, I have got a really good life, God has given me some amazing blessings, you know. And, and I thought, Well, let's not get carried away here, but let's, let's, let's edge in a little bit, you know. So we talked just a little bit, and then we took off and started talking about fishing and whatever. And the whole time, I'm thinking, I need to go a little further. I wasn't sure how to get there, so it was about time for me to get out of the hot tub and. So finally, I, I said, well, maybe I'll pray for him. I'll, I'll tell him I'll pray for him. And that's generally what I do. You know, I'll talk to someone. And I'll say, well, I'll, I'll remember you in prayer. And I do. I do. But it's a little awkward to say, let's pray right here, right now, in the hot tub. <laughs> but something said, go for it. <laughs> so I said, well, but I got, I got to leave. Do you mind if I pray with you? Got a funny look on his face, and he said, I'll be okay, Uh, what do I do? I said, well, close your eyes, I'll take care of it. (laughs) And so I prayed for him. Nobody else is around, we weren't grandstanding or anything. And I prayed not only that surgery would go well and the Lord would guide the doctors, but that that Butch would uh, get to know just how much Jesus loves him. And then I left. Now, I don't know what God's going to do with that. That's not my concern. But I feel good that I got enough nerve to at least plant a seed. (laughs) And that's what I want you to do. It's hard. It's not easy moving into that spiritual realm. It's not easy sharing your faith, even if you're a preacher. But we ought to be doing that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we have that heart that Paul has? Shouldn't we want to search a little bit into someone's heart and to see if there's a void there? If they're missing something that we have and that we can share? I I think we ought to be doing that. We shouldn't be afraid to ask someone about the relationship with the Lord. Now, don't do it in a critical way, a, a judgmental way, but don't be afraid to get a little specific. Find out if they... If they know Christ, not just know about him, but actually understand who he is and, and talk to him <clears throat> and have been saved by him, forgiven by him, find out. Again, we don't want to be obnoxious. <laughs> we don't want to come off holier than thou. but We've got something to share, don't we? People are lost without Christ. And just because someone has rejected Christ or doesn't know Christ doesn't mean they've re- actually rejected him. They may just have never had an opportunity to get to know him. They, they have some funny idea or some lousy experience in church somewhere or some hypocrite turned them off. They haven't really rejected Christ. They've rejected Christians. If we can get them to rethink who he is. Maybe they just need another opportunity to see Christ in us and to hear some things about him. Maybe they just need one more opportunity to be exposed to him. And that opportunity may be coming through you, but we've got to be looking for it. We've got to be searching for it. Now, I, I don't want to lay a guilt trip on you. I've heard preachers say, well, if you don't save him, nobody will. That's hogwash. God's bigger than me, okay? He's bigger than my witness. If someone's heart is open, God's going to see to it that they get the opportunity. I just think it's awesome when he lets me have a part in that. That gives me joy. That, That lets me be involved in what God is doing. So let him use you. Let him use you. Not, I used to say. Not, not so you can get you know another notch on your gospel gun. And say I saved fourteen people today. That's ridiculous. We don't save anybody. But we have to have a heart that's looking into someone else's heart with love, and we're trying to see a need that's obvious that can be met through Christ. Paul had that heart. We've got to be searching. I know I'll never be as effective as the Apostle Paul. I'll, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to give up my salvation for even all of you. I love you. That's not a deal I'm willing to make. I'm sorry. But I am going to let Paul stretch me to be willing to give more than I have been, okay? And that's what I'm asking of you. Let's strive to have a heart like Paul. Let's, Let's be praying for it. Let's work at developing it. Let's let's try to get that sorrowing, sacrificing, searching heart that God can use to bring men and women to himself. And obviously that, that kind of heart is only possible if Jesus is actually in it. So if you're here this morning and you don't really sense the presence of God within you, You've not invited Jesus to take up residence in your heart. You've not allowed him to cleanse you and let the Holy Spirit fill you with his presence. I pray you'll do that, obviously. Sometimes we hear things over and over again, and it just goes here. If it hasn't gone here, let's do something about it, okay? Let Jesus come into your heart. He's waiting. He's wanting. He wants to come in and give you a heart that's not only saved, but a heart that's more like Paul's. And I'm praying for the same thing. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? Let's stand.